friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. Hayden, saw you 24 hours ago. How are you doing 24 hours later? Not too much has changed. I watched the Lakers last night, and that was a very disappointing game. The series seems pretty over now, which is very sad. I was hoping LeBron could make another run here, but uh, Anthony Street closed Davis. Basically, he's doing nothing for the Lakers right now. So I, I have no series. clue what's going on in the NBA. I got absolutely nothing for you. I was up late working. Up late working. It's it's like that period of the year, Hayden, where nothing is going on, but it also feels like a lot is going on. But I think it's also just the situation that you and I find ourselves in when we are, you know, creating the content side of a successful business that's already going on. So we're like trying to reset at times on how we want to create content and the best way to distribute and the best way to promote yourself. It's this whole mind pretzel situation I'm currently in at the moment, but it's, you know, it's good. It's, it's enjoyable work. It just keeps me busy. Let's well, yeah, way. you're, you're Josh Bo Burnham Norris. You're the editor, you're the producer, you're the content guy all in, all by yourself right now. So that's uh that's the way it goes. I am loving having a consistent schedule at 1230. I can't say if I, I've adjusted to it yet. Like I'm still not eating before we do this. So if you hear like a growl, that's my stomach just wanting to be fed. Um, but 1230 every day is, is enjoyable. Uh, the consistency is great. I'm really excited for our Thursday shows every single week. The giveaway gauntlet tomorrow. Should we announce what we're, who we have tomorrow? Yeah, we should. For sure. Tom Everett Scott, Hollywood actor, big fantasy football head, will be joining us live from a set in Vancouver, actually. So be sure to check out the YouTube channel at 12:30 for a chance to win. 10 Best Ball Mania 2 entries. In fact, we are giving them to you. And as long as Tom answers five NFL questions correctly and five niche topic questions correctly, you all in the chat will receive $250 courtesy of Underdog Fantasy. I'm excited. Last week was great. And Aiden, I think we've learned a little bit. And tomorrow should be a lot of fun, too. Absolutely. If you want uh, more money to be thrown into the chat, make sure to hit that like button right now. Grow the channel. I'm sure if we get some more some some uh, some more subscribers, we'll be able to maybe give away like 15, 20 underdog tickets. So make sure you're hitting those like buttons. Help us out a little bit. All right. Well, we know that yesterday we seeded the winners of each division for the NFL playoffs. Obviously, the Chiefs got the one seed, the Ravens, the two seed, the Bills, the three seed, the Colts, the four seed and the AFC and the NFC side. The Buccaneers at one, the Rams at two, the Packers at three, and Washington at four. We still have to flesh out the rest of the playoff bracket. We've determined, obviously, that the NFL gives the best team the worst team. Still available. That was a conversation in our own Slack channel. Um, but let's go through some of these wild card teams, shall we, Hayden? I mean, on the AFC side, you and I talk glowingly about the Browns. So therein is the five seed the Chargers as the sixth seed. And we actually came to a conclusion that the Patriots will be the seventh seed in the AFC. So put all those to the side and let's talk about some of the ones that didn't make it briefly. We didn't include the Dolphins. We didn't include the Steelers. We didn't include the Titans in the AFC. Why? Well, even the first two teams, the Dolphins and the Steelers, they're, they have major offensive line issues and their quarterback play last year towards the end of the season, wasn't very good. So you're either ex expecting Big Ben to take another step 
and maybe a, a year removed from his elbow is a, a good thing. That sounds like a bad thing to me. And then obviously Tua has a lot more weapons. I'm expecting him to be better. But in that division, the Patriots are awesome. The Browns are awesome for the Steelers and obviously with the Ravens too. So these are very tough divisions. I think the, the Dolphins and Steelers will be decent football teams, but are they better than their in-division number twos? Because I think the Patriots are a good team. We'll talk to them or talk about them in a second. Um, but yeah, I just think it just comes down to offensive lines for the Dolphins and the Steelers. I'm cool with fading the Steelers and the Titans in 2021. We seem to talk about that in every single episode. The Titans are going to try to do the exact same thing with a worse pass-catching group and a different offensive play caller. I don't expect it to be as successful as it has in the past. The Steelers are going to try to do something very different than they did in 2020, it seems like, and I don't think they have the offensive line capabilities to do that. It's interesting, though, that like in-house, their evaluations are obviously crystal clear in, in their head that they can pull this off even though they started like on this undefeated streak last season, uh, I, I just don't see how that lines up that successful, despite how good defense can be. The Dolphins, Hayden, are the one team that bothers me that we're leaving them out because Brian Flores has done such an incredible job. I mean, they go from five and 11 to 10 and six last year, barely missing the playoffs. They've upgraded at multiple spots on that roster. So we think if like one player, takes a step forward, becomes a little more consistent, shows those second-half performances they can do them in the first half, that this can be a playoff team. And so, again, it's it's frustrating me that we can't fit them in the playoffs here. It's tough. It's the NFL playoffs. There's a lot of teams right on the bubble. Some teams have to get left left off. Um, the Patriots, are. The, I, I would say, this is our bold take. I think that a lot of people believe in the Browns. I think the Chargers are gaining some steam, too, just with the coaching staff change. Um, so I, I guess our bold take is the, the the Patriots over the Dolphins, and I'm okay with that. I think both of those teams are are built pretty similarly, and we'll see if which team added more weapons and who who that affects more. I I just want to be trusting Bill Belichick one last time. Exactly. Yeah. Th- this isn't to say that like Tua stinks. That it all it all comes crumbling down for the Dolphins and Loki. They added Jacob Brissett as the backup just in case like get them along, or they can fall back on him, which I think was a really really smart move that's flown under the radar. A little bit. It's actually us believing in the Patriots a little bit more and them taking a step forward. And we'll tell you why in just a moment. All right. So let's hit on the first round, the wild card weekend of the AFC. Let's move on to the first matchup. The Colts, the four seed, the Browns, the five seed. Who wins this one? Hayden? The Browns are better. Just offense, defense. I think that I think they'll close the gap on defense. The Browns could even actually have a better defense than the Colts. That wouldn't be that big of a shock to me, but their offense is just so much better. They didn't lose anybody. The offensive line is actually better uh, for the, the Browns than it is the Colts, and the Colts always get a lot of buzz about their offensive line. I, I don't see how the Colts are better than the Browns this year, period. The Browns are so good. I love this roster that Andrew Barry has created and, and orchestrated. Uh, we've talked about the offense and how they're basically returning everyone along with getting Odell Beckham back. The defense is one I don't know if we've given enough love to because you have Miles Garrett, who's hopefully going to be able to play an entire season. And when he's on and like the, the situation presents itself, that's like a third and 12 or a, a second and 14. Uh, he is pinning in his ears back and he's virtually unblockable in those situations. And it's not just him rushing the passer. You obviously bring in Jadavion Clowney, who can play, you know, a significant portions of snap in the past. But even if he doesn't play this massive number of 
of opportunities. Even him in a rotation is someone who can disrupt, especially in the run game. You bring in Tack McKinley, who can also be a rotational piece. I want to throw in Malik Jackson as well as someone who can be an interior disruptor. Uh, this Cleveland Browns team, I, I really think that they might be setting a bit of a trend here that the rest of the NFL might follow from a personnel standpoint. Hayden, like we, in recent years, we've talked about how you know the third cornerback is a starter on an NFL team for the last decade, we've said that. Well, more teams are having a fourth corner. More teams are having a, a third or fourth pass rusher as being a starter who can play 40 to 50 to 60% of the snaps. And the Browns, I think, are one step ahead of there. And they've dictated that with free agency in the draft, especially this past offseason. Defense isn't like offense where a lot of players are playing 80-plus percentage of the snaps, especially up front on defense. They are rotating those guys constantly. So it is a trend that you're going to start seeing. I also think that it just goes – back to quarterbacks on rookie contracts. And that's how the Browns have been able to been an attractive spot for, for free agency. They've obviously been drafting very well. And that's just the blueprint. If you want to be a Super Bowl contender, you either have to have an elite quarterback or you have to have a decent quarterback on a rookie contract. The Browns have a decent quarterback on a rookie contract. And then they just execute everything from the coaching staff uh, up to the front office. So it's it's one of the best organizations right now, which is crazy to say about the Browns. Yeah. But right now with new with new leadership, they're acting like a legit NFL franchise and that's exciting. Okay. We are picking the Browns there. We'll talk more about the Browns in the moment depending on who they face. They're not necessarily facing the Chiefs here. We just have it listed as that. We might move it around depending on who wins these next one. Chargers and Bills. The six Chargers the three Bills, who wins this one, Hayden Winks? I really want to pick an upset here, but I'm not going to. I think the Bills earned enough respect to not get uh, get kicked out in, in the wild card round. But I do think that the Chargers deserve a little bit of say here. The offensive coordinator, play calling, special teams, you're getting a lot of upgrades. Uh, defensive coordinator with Staley involved. I just think that people aren't respecting how big of a difference this coaching staff is going to make huge you, you see the the dvo dvoa rankings of the special teams for the Chargers the last 10 like 10 years it's always like 24th to 32nd every single year the, and that just goes back to this coaching staff the last couple couple regimes the, the Chargers are going to be very well executed i've loved what staley has to say obviously justin herbert unlocks everything the offensive line is way better it's going to be possibly like a borderline top 10 unit Historically, there's been like bottom 10 units. So the Chargers are legit, very, very legit, but the Bills are more legit. So I want to be picking the Bills here. How can I talk you in to picking the Chargers here? I'm going to do my best. All right. It has been an abomination of coaching staff management in game situations from the Chargers, not just their last staff, in previous regimes as well. So even if you get league average in that area, and with Brandon Staley, who I mean, his story, his rise is absolutely incredible. He's only 38 years old. He was coaching at John Carroll in 2016. This isn't one of these retread NFL coaches that we saw for two or three or four decades just get a net next head coaching job. This is a young mind who was only a defensive coordinator for one year. And the rest of the NFL said, oh, there is something here. He is doing things on a week-to-week basis that just – feels different and having that type of a thinker in a chargers organization that probably has never had that, especially in our lifetime, along with a talent in Justin Herbert, who I don't know if there's been more 
to me of a shocking performance in a rookie season, especially in their debut game, than what Justin Herbert showed during year one. I mean, Hayden, they have reworked their offensive line. We went on and on in the last episode about the char- the, the the Chiefs have done that. The Chargers did it too. But Herbert has already showed that under duress, against disruption, he can be among the league's best. And sure, that might not be as sticky year to year. But guess what? That number against those opportunities, that's going to drop, it should, dramatically this year. And I can't wait to see what Justin Herbert shows from clean situations because that arm is an absolute rocket and they have a lot of awesome skill position players too. We're picking the upset then. I'm I'm in for the Chargers on, on the upset here. Uh, I didn't need to be talked into it that much. I was already thinking that I was playing probably being too conservative. You're right. The big, the big thing for the Chargers is it's the offensive line and then the coaching staff. And I think those two things, if you're just talking about NFL analysis in general, those two things probably don't get talked about enough when there are changes because it's it's not too many fans are like actually grinding the tape on some of these offensive linemen. But Rashawn Slater, Corey Lindsley, they got Filer as, as a nice veteran uh, placement. Balaga, I mean, there's a lot of really strong offensive linemen in this. This, I, I love it. We're picking the Chargers here. And I do want to say that like the Bills can be better defensively. We talked about it a lot in the previous episode. Like Matt Milano, back healthy, he played just 31% of the snaps last year. They returned 10 of 11 players who logged 500 snaps on offense, and you add Emmanuel Sanders onto that. But if we're talking about injuries and teams that can improve, maybe no defense like dealt with more significant injuries on their top players than the Chargers did last year. I mean, Derwin James missed the entire season. He can be a true difference maker from multiple angles. And guess who gets to deploy him? It's Brandon Staley. And Joey Bosa played just 53% of the snaps last year. Uh, it's always a difficult moment in the offseason when you look in the mirror and you realize, I'm buying into the Chargers this year. We've said it before. It feels a little bit different this year. And it's all to me. We can talk about Austin Eckler. We can talk about Keen Allen. We can talk about those two defensive players I just mentioned. But at the root of it, you have someone who somehow is still not getting enough attention as a young quarterback in this league. And it would be a very difficult decision for me if you asked me for the rest of my career, who do I want as my quarterback, Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence? It was that impressive what Justin Herbert did during his first season. Yeah, we might need to pick them for another upset again here in a second. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get there in a, in a moment. <laughs> All right, to close out the AFC. By the way, you need to flip the Browns and the Chargers at least for now. But we'll go through the next one. The Ravens are the two seeds. The Patriots are the seven seed. Hayden Winks. This is going to be an absolute slugfest. I keep mentioning the show I did with Phil Perry, along with Shio Kapati, along with Jordan Rodriguez, along with JP Finley. He outlined what the Patriots want to be. They want to be another version of the Browns in some ways. Win with offensive line, win with play action, win with the running game, win in that passing game, but not as much in terms of even like league average pass rate. How do you think the Ravens match up to that with their, what we are projecting, all-star, insane, run your face over offense? Last year, didn't we have this matchup and it was like in the rain in New England and like they yes. couldn't even see and it was that wild game. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be like the same slugfest situation here. The Patriots have closed the gap because they're getting some defensive line help and they were really bad uh, along the defensive line. Uh, obviously, Dante Hightower coming back is huge for them. And then obviously, the offensive line is one of the best in the league, probably top three, top five. So I don't think that the gap between the Ravens and the Patriots is quite as drastic as other people are making it out to be. 
But at the same time, we love Lamar Jackson. We love what their defense brings and that really aggressive style. So I would be picking the Ravens here. I would think that they would be like a seven-point favorite or so in, in this matchup. They have one of the best cornerback groups in the NFL, the Ravens do. They need to hold tough on the interior in order to face this offensive line and this offense that the Patriots um, will deploy. I, I do want to point out, though, to me, the reason why the Patriots can make the playoffs is because Mac Jones is going to be the starter. And I love Cam. I think Cam is done. And I think Mac Jones can be very good in terms of a first-year performer. Not to the level of Justin Herbert that I just went on and on about. He's not that special. But I, I was actually reading Shio Kapadia's piece earlier today. And he said in the last 10 years, rookie quarterbacks who saw significant action posted about a .01 EPA per play. To put that in context, an average rookie performer equates to about the 25th ranked starter in the NFL. Bottom line, being good right away is hard. I think that's totally fair. I, I also would say most often a quarterback goes to a bad team that plays in year one. This is not a bad situation. In fact, I would say it's a very good situation with Josh McDaniels, the offensive line, the skill players they added this offseason. And that's why I think that Mac Jones – can really elevate this team as soon as he enters the starting lineup. Mike Reese, ESPN's Mike Reese, he's one of the best beat reporters in the game period. And he's been around forever. And he had a, a column recently talking about his first impressions of Mac Jones. And he was very bullish on Mac Jones. And that really caught my eye. He's not going to be the type of guy that's just writing stuff to get the fan base pumped. He's only writing stuff if he actually believes it. So I, I'm with you. I think that Mac Jones is NFL ready? I think there was some debate if that was actually the case based off of his Alabama film. But I see somebody that's going to be able to distribute the ball, and I think that he's a very smart player. And I think that he, Bill Belichick had a lot of intel um, from Nick Saban. So I think that Mac Jones will have this offense ready to go and compete for a playoff berth. I think that he has that kind of ceiling. Um, he's not going to change the, the game like Justin Herbert does, but I think that the Patriots are going to be in the mix. I, I do think we have to pick the Ravens here, though. Yes. With all of that said, we think the Ravens can be an absolute juggernaut in 2021 slash 2022. Why do we feel that way? Hey, and I'm, we're going to get to it, you know, in their, in their next matchups, obviously. But why, why do we think that? And it's is it because we think 2019 Lamar Jackson is the real deal and that 2020 version, the perception of it is a bit more negative than it actually should be? Because on paper, in terms of points on the scoreboard, in terms of effectiveness, they were still a very good team. They just weren't top five offense in the NFL. It was inconsistent passing from part partially because of Lamar Jackson. He's not the fully most in, uh, c- completely accurate quarterback, but that's fine. I think the biggest thing is just Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins. Those are two uh, huge upgrades over what they were trotting out last year, like Willie Sneeds and like Devin Duvernay, these guys that shouldn't be playing um, too many NFL snaps. Rashad Bateman, throw him in, in the slot, throw him at an X receiver. He's going to be able to win within 10 yards. He also allows Marquise Brown to win downfield where he's best at. He's not a consistent player, Marquise Brown, that is. But he can be a good player winning downfield, and that's going to be the role he's going to be in. He doesn't have to be the guy that has to win on third and six. He's going to be the first and 10 guy, play action. That's going to be the Marquise Brown. I think that just in general, all of the roles that these players were designed to be in, there are they're actually going to be in those roles this year. You're just going to see an upgrade everywhere. And whatever defense that Bill puts on the field, Lamar Jackson's a type of talent that can like break whatever plan that you have going. 
I do want to mention, I'm not even certain. And we didn't talk about this yesterday. It flew in, it, it, I, I just forgot to say it. Stefan Gilmore, it's still not like locked in that he's on this roster. And if he's not on the roster, then that Patriots defense could take a, a step back just because, I mean, he's obviously the best individual talent, I think, on that side of the ball for them. All right, we'll go with the Ravens. So we have reseeded it. It's going to be the one and six seeds of the Chiefs and the Chargers at the top two. I mean, what a show this would be in quarterback dreamland. Can you bet against the Chiefs here, though? No, I, I say we save our bullets. The Chiefs are advancing here. We can talk about the Chiefs when we get to the, the AFC conference. I'm, I'm willing to just like let them go right to the conference every single time when they have Patrick Mahomes, and then we'll go through the matchups then. I think they're just that, they're just that, that good. All right. Well, we have two teams, obviously, from the AFC West, and we also have two teams in the AFC North. At this point, the Browns and the Ravens have played each other twice this season. Who knows how those have played out? We almost assuredly think the Ravens have at least won one or maybe even both of those contests. What about when they meet in the playoffs in Baltimore? So I think the matchup would be very interesting here because the Browns would try to run it all over the Ravens and the Ravens linebackers were pretty bad last year. And hopefully Patrick Queen takes a leap forward. There'd be a lot of pressure on him to stop Nick Chubb in this offensive line. But we picked the Ravens for a reason um, in the regular season in that, that conference. If you listen to yesterday's show, we kind of break down why we leaned that way. Uh, in, in a single game, everything's up in the air, but uh, I just think that Lamar Jackson's just, he adds too much, and the Browns don't have a strong linebacker core. That's probably the weakness of their team, I would say, maybe as that linebacker, um, and that's the position that you kind of need when you're playing the Ravens and J.K. Dobbins. What you're going to need, and this is going to have to be a beast that Lamar Jackson conquers, was when he won MVP, they fell to the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs, and it's because they had those early turnovers, those early turnovers on down, they would fail to sustain drives early on. And what the Titans did was throw to lead early and then just run to win. And that formula has worked against these Baltimore Ravens. But you think over the last two years, hopefully they have gotten that into their head. They have built around that to hopefully prevent it from happening in the future. And I, I just think that every time Lamar faces that type of a situation, he's not going to fail. Um, I, I'm excited to see what Lamar Jackson is doing towards the end of his rookie contract. And I think that this can be the moment where he topples that type of play of a team that thrives off play action, a team that has a great offensive line, a team that has tremendous running backs and obviously defensively has all those rotational pieces. I just want to bet on the rare talent. And I still truly feel that Lamar Jackson is the rare talent. I'm totally with you. I would love to see uh, the Ravens in the AFC Championship. I think they're the contenders. Same with, with same with the Browns. Um, I I love how we how we have this right now. Uh, let's save. Should we save the conference championship? I say I say we run through. We haven't talked about the Chiefs yet. Let's let's okay, go, go ahead. So basically, if we have the the Chiefs in here, which I think everyone should be projecting, how do you beat the Chiefs? I think that you have to have strong cornerback play, and then you have to have some pass rush, and that's what the Ravens have. And it's just their aggressive style. They can they go three deep at corner, and then they blitz a ton. They're always like like forty five fifty percent blitz rate. So I think this would be the formula to beat the Chiefs. Wow. So it just kind of comes down to: Are we willing to actually pull off this upset here? What do you think? How different, gosh, we are real believers in the Ravens. We are true believers in the Ravens. And it's because we think at multiple levels, this team is not only better than they were last year, 
but also better than they were in 2019. I mean, that's kind of what we're saying. I'm not saying that, you know, Lamar is going to finish number one in everything, but we think their passing game can be more consistent. And it makes sense from what they've added. I mean, talked about Rashad Bateman. You add in a Sammy Watkins here and there, a Mark Andrews, a better offensive line with Kevin Zeitler and Ronnie Stanley returning. Um, The Chiefs, man, the Chiefs. I think we forget that they almost, I mean, that game against the Browns last year was super tight and sure Patrick Mahomes was ailing and sure he left for parts of the game. My main concern, I went back and watched some of that was they put the Browns and Baker Mayfield in like third and 20 second and 17 and Baker and Kevin Stefanski were able to convert in those situations. It's much more difficult for the Ravens to convert in those situations. But I also think despite the additions that we saw along the Chiefs defense and defensive line, I still don't think they're going to be league average at stopping the run. And so maybe how the Ravens are constructed can beat the Chiefs here. That's the whole thing. I think that the Chiefs would be the better regular season team. That's why we have them as the one seed. But I think if you're looking at matchups and then the playoffs, matchups matter. This game will be tighter than what their like actually regular season performance would dictate. I'm still fine with rock- rocking with Patrick Mahomes here. I don't get me wrong. Um, I just do think that the Ravens, out of all the teams, I think the Browns and the Ravens might have the two best blueprints just stylistically of how to stop Patrick Mahomes in, in this conference. Um, so I think this game would be tight. I'm okay with going Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I never want to be betting against Patrick Mahomes. No, nope, but we're going with, with the Baltimore Ravens. We Let's are. Do it. Let's have some fun. Hayden, who do you think will be the true difference maker for the Ravens besides Lamar Jackson this year? Just talking about differences, it's just going to, to me, it's Rashad Bateman. They did not have an X receiver. It was like Miles Boykin, Des Bryant. Like those were the guys that were they were uh, trying to get the ball to in red zone on third down when they needed a play. Hopefully Mark Andrews doesn't drop as many passes. He kind of had a down year for how good he is. And I think like we kept mentioning, Marquise Brown getting into a role that he's actually good at, winning downfield, winning with speed, getting a couple screens designed to him. That's where he wins. He's just not a consistent enough route runner. Um, on 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 third and six, like I keep mentioning, I think that Rashad Bateman fills that role perfectly, and that's where you're going to see this this passing offense that is, has been ridiculed for the last couple of seasons start to actually click because they actually have the one, two, three in their receiver core that they didn't have uh, last year and the in the year before that. I like it. I like it a lot. Maybe this is the game that cements Lamar Jackson's seven MVP second MVP trophy as well. Um, let's take a few questions. From the chat before we move on to the NFC, just on some of the AFC teams. By the way, if you're listening to us in the podcast feed, you can join us every single day at 1230. Uh, eat lunch with us. That's Eastern time. That's the only time we operate in. Uh, and you can, again, ask us questions like these, like from Mark. Do you like Brandon Staley or Arthur Smith hiring better? Hayden? Love both. I'm going to go Brandon Staley. I think that the difference between Brandon Staley versus the previous regime is, is larger um, just that I think the Chargers were like borderline dysfunctional um, at times. And I think that Brandon Staley, I think he's going to, he needs to be respected as one of the, the, the best minds on defense. And I also like just like where he comes from, like as just a philosopher um, just on offense too. I mean, he was a, he was a quarterback guy and that's how he yeah. views this. And I think that's how defenses need to be viewed as is how are we stopping an offense? Not necessarily how are we like dialing up pressures 
on defense. So I, I really like what the, what the Chargers have with Staley. Yeah, I think it's so often impossible to guess how a first-year head coach is, is going to succeed because we know so little about these first-timers because they were OCs or DCs, sometimes special teams coaches. But, hey, call me a sheep. I – you know, appreciate what Sean McVay has done. I believe in a Sean McVay decision. When he hires someone from basically obscurity as like a, a assistant position coach on the Chicago Bears, someone who's risen this quickly, I think that Brandon Staley is going to have success. And then I trust Brandon Staley for his coaching hires as well on the other side of the ball on offense. All right, here's the next one from Nick Byard, or excuse me, Nick Bird. Do we think that Odell Beckham is the best value on underdog Right now, I'm looking at it. He's going as the wide receiver 28. We'll be posting all of our positional rankings on Underblog. We'll do some more shows on those in recent, excuse me, in forthcoming weeks. But again, as the wide receiver 28, Ivan is the wide receiver 27, and you have him as the wide receiver 26. So we're right around consensus here on Odell. He's going to be somebody that's going to be quote unquote better in basketball. That's the way they're going to use him. There's going to be a couple games uh, this season where the Browns just jump out to a huge lead and they're just going to feed. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but there will be weeks where Odell Beckham gets over the top and that's how he's going to be used this year. I, I hope people don't forget how good of a player Odell Beckham is. I don't think that he's going to be fully back to like those Giants days because of all these injuries. But if, if he's 80%, 90% of that, that player in this role, he can have some spiked weeks. So I like where he's going on underdog right now. Okay. Uh, Joshua says it might be Daryl Henderson. Fair? Bingo. Yeah. He's he's going as the RB thirty or uh, forty three. I have him way higher than that in in my rankings. You ha- you have somebody that is the unquestioned number one. If some something happened to Cam Akers, and last year it was Malcolm Brown in a rotation. Right now, uh, there's not too many people that can name who the Rams RB three is right now. It's like Jake Funk or something. Uh, and D- Darrell Henderson, we've seen it with him. He has some home run ability, so I think that he is being underappreciated for what his ceiling could be in the event of a cam makers ankle roll all right back to our playoff simulation we have completed the afc the baltimore ravens are representing the afc now down to the nfc as we mentioned our wild card picks where the 49ers is the five seed the six seed the seahawks the cowboys are the seven seed so why oh why hayden winks did the new orleans saints not make the playoffs in 2021 a peek behind the curtain, when I text you, I had the Saints over the Cowboys, so I'm going to flip this on you, Josh. You put the Cowboys over the Saints. Why aren't the Saints in this? I trust Dak Prescott more than I do Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, and it's that simple. I totally understand that the Cowboys roster is not complete at all, but I cannot get out of my head how productive it was on offense to start the season with Dak Prescott to Amari Cooper to C.D. Lamb to Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. Now, my only hesitation there, Hayden, while that was extremely productive, the Cowboys lost a bunch of those games <laughs> to start the season, despite you know Dak putting up quarterback one numbers by a, a sizable margin. Um, I think a lot of that was for defensive personnel, and I also think that like for the entirety of a season, offense wins. And the Saints right now, the Saints are a defensive team. And they're an aging defensive team that is very much against the, the salary cap. And I think they have less depth, as we have talked about, than in recent years. So just give me the Cowboys um, for a 17-game season versus the questions that we have surrounding the Saints, especially at the quarterback position when you're going from Jameis Winston just throwing to Michael Thomas and Adam Troutman. 
I will say with the Saints, it's a defensive-minded team because they have so many defensive stars on that roster. They also have a top-five offensive line, though, so I don't think we can fully and Sean Payton to calling the plays. So this is this would be a, just a bet against Jameis Winston, which I'm fully understanding of. But I, I do think that this offense could be still pretty decent because that offensive line plus Sean Payton and Jameis Winston has shown a lot of flashes. Like if he did figure it out, there would be, there would be a case where Jameis Winston can actually play a little bit. I'm not fully expecting that to happen, but I I do want to give the saints credit along the offensive line. It's one of the best in the league. Yeah. I mean, I went on and on about it in the previous episode. It will be one of the biggest turnarounds in NFL history. If Jameis Winston goes from throwing 30 interceptions down to a Drew Brees level, what, seven to 10 interceptions? Give him I mean, 12. They'll be fine with with 12 if he's thrown for like 4,500 plus yards. I mean, but how big of a difference is it with, and it's not just the interceptions, it's also the off target completions that Jameis would have with the Bucks to the likes of Mike Evans, the like of Chris Godwin. You have Slant Boy and Michael Thomas, you have Adam Troutman, and then you have no one else. I mean, the talent drop off of the players that are going to surround a player like a high variance one that Jameis Winston does bring to the table. That's just extremely concerning to me. I have to see it. And again, this is why this exercise is debatable in June, but we're having fun with it. I have to see this Jameis Winston experiment to believe it. We've only seen Sean Payton say, Oh yeah, he's doing well. But even when he had the opportunity to play him, it was instead Taysom Hill. And that still is a, weird decision that I can't get over at the moment. So fair. That's fair enough. I would still take the Saints. Do you, do you think that Taysom Hill could start more games than Jameis this year? Like how many intercept? No, you think it's just going to be Jameis and they're going to ride that wave. This is going to be, uh, I'm not going to say full blown Jameis bounce back season, but I think Jameis is going to be good enough. Show some improvements with that play caller. There's going to be a lot more designed like screens to Kamara where he's not going to be forcing the ball downfield because the defense is good this time. Those Bucks team didn't have that good of a defense. The Saints team has a good defense. As long as they don't get hurt, like you keep mentioning, it's the depth. That's what scares me the most um, for the Saints this year. All right, so let's start it off in the wildcard weekend for the NFC. We have Washington as the four seed, the 49ers as the five seed. Who wins this game, and why is it San Francisco Hayden Wings? No, Washington. Uh, Hayden. This would be so, – so the bold case for the 49ers would be that Trey Lance, as the season gets going, he keeps making improvements. They have all of these weapons, and that's how they pull this, this uh, upset up off you you want it uh, go for it you're you're the 49ers stand uh, on this podcast tell me why you have a top three head coach in the nfl top three pick play caller in the nfl i think no team is going to benefit from positive regression more than the 49ers in 2021 i mean only two teams were hurt more by turnovers than the 49ers last year and the 49ers also had the worst injury luck of any team in the league Last season, Nick Mullins played 600 freaking snaps for this squad. Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be the starter. It is going to be Trey Lance on an offense that has two bona fide playmaking wide receivers and Debo Samuel and Brian Ayuk with a head coach that puts them in the position to succeed in those environments. A quarterback who can make plays for the first time we've ever seen this since Robert Griffin, the third's rookie year under the tutelage of a play caller who can script things open 
in in rhythm, in time, and then someone outside of it who can exceed plays. And then we have maybe George Kittle for the first time in his career scoring more five, than five touchdowns. And an offense that has the best left tackle in football currently in Trent Williams, a great right tackle, improvements along the interior as well. I am so in on San Francisco because I think we need to throw 2020 in the garbage and we need to think about 2019 and how heading into that first Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes, the consensus was that for the San Francisco 49ers had the best roster and that they were going to win that game. And it's because Jimmy couldn't make plays in the first, second, third, and fourth quarter. That's the reason they couldn't get it done. That was the 2019 with peak with borderline peak Richard Sherman and DeForest Buckner and other uh, secondary guys though too. So it's and that was that was the best Jimmy Garoppolo had been playing uh, during that stretch of football. It's not going to be Jimmy though. It's going to be a better. No, player but than what Jimmy. I was saying is that 2019 Garoppolo was actually the good Garoppolo. The other yeah. years it was bad Garoppolo. So that was like the peak Garoppolo. I, I don't I don't want to be out here like talking too much crap on the 49ers. So just so don't get me wrong. But I do think that the the rest of the roster on defense isn't as good as the those 2019 and like 2018 teams. They need Nick Bosa to stay healthy. I mean. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's fair. I could say that a lot about many different teams that we've, you know, advanced into this bracket, right? I, right. I don't want to say this because I'm super excited, but it's forcing me to be negative. And I'm glad we've already put the 49ers in there. I do think we are at this point where we're talking about, you know, the final eight teams in the NFL. I think that's the ceiling for where Ryan Fitzpatrick can take this Washington team behind that offensive line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's that's totally fair. I think that they're not like totally Super Bowl contenders because Ryan Fitzpatrick only gets you so far. Um, I don't know. It's it just one of the situations where are, are we over projecting Trey Lance in as a rookie? Like I, I'm totally with it with the play calling the play. Yeah. Like, he's going to be good. But I'm just worried that we get overconfident with with some of these rookies and how far they can actually take them. So that that would be my only concern with with Trey Lance as a rookie, not fantasy purposes, but in real yeah. life, advancing in the playoffs. That's asking a lot for an inexperienced inexperienced court, quarterback. But this is the Kyle Shanahan, and I understand why we're doing this. I just had that same thought of are we overvaluing and am I doing it for Mac Jones possibly with the Patriots? Am I doing it with Trey Lance possibly with the 49ers? But at the same time, you know, I'm not necessarily doing that with the Jaguars, even though we said the long shot for them to win the division is possible, but that's if everything aligns. I'm not doing it with the Bears and Justin Fields because I simply do not trust Ryan Pace and, and Matt Nagy. And then we're not doing it, obviously, with the Jets because this might be the start of something for them, but this is just in year one. I I just believe in so much in the Kyle Shanahan to Trey Lance dynamic that can work together that this, you know, this wasn't a top 10 team in terms of draft picks. Like they had to trade into that area, right? And it's after an awful year with, like I mentioned, the worst injury luck, the worst turnovers in the NFL in terms of how it crushed your team, not having your quarterback last year. And so this is an uncommon team for having the number three overall pick. And I think it can just be, you know, launched to outer space when it does go correctly. And I think it will go correctly. The the rookies, the, the two that we're talking about, Mac Jones and Trey Lance, like advancing in the playoffs here, this is... Typically, these rookies are in total shit shows, and that both of these uh, quarterbacks are, are supposed to be smart. Uh, usually, they're in total shit shows on on organizations and play calling and all that stuff. We know that Belichick and, and Shanahan aren't that, so that would be the one difference if you wanted to be betting on a rookie actually making it uh, through the gauntlet of the playoffs. I, I think that would be the the one difference. Uh, look, my 
analysis of Jimmy Garoppolo, my analysis of Jared Goff for the last five years has now paid off this offseason because both teams once paid them money and now have moved on in a significant way. So it's a long game. It's a long game here, Hayden Winks. All right, next up, Packers three seed, Seattle Seahawks at the sixth seed. Fun one. We've seen these two teams that have some you know, historic contests in the past. Who wins this one? I was just going to say, I feel like we've seen this matchup like 4 billion times, like yep. Aaron Rodgers versus Russ every single time. I'm going to go to the Packers here. We're, we're already assuming that Rodgers is playing in this scenario. I think that last year showed how much better the Packers were than the Seahawks. I do think that the Seahawks are better. They add a little bit to their offensive line. I think they'll have a little bit better defensive injury luck than they had last year. And maybe the play calling makes a difference and they've actually figured out how to beat uh, cover two defenses. I don't know how that was such a big problem for the Seahawks last year, but I'm okay with going the Packers here. We had them as a three seed for a reason and have the Seahawks as a six seed. What? You don't think Dwayne Eskridge is going to be the big difference maker here? He is old enough. Maybe he's, he's so uh, he'll, he'll be further, further along in his rookie year because he's 24. My, my thing with the initial Aaron Rodgers Green Bay conversation um, when before we knew it was just his disdain for Brian Gutekunst was that you might not find many rosters across the league that are better to win now than what the Packers can offer Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you have a left tackle in David Bakhtiari who, when he's on the field, probably the best pass protecting left tackle in football. You have an all pro running back talent in Aaron Jones. You have a top three wide receiver in the league. And Devontae Adams, you have a defense that has spent and spent and spent at the position, especially ones that are important of pressuring the quarterback. I mean, what we saw with Rashawn Gary's development towards the end of last season, I think it's we should be really excited about what he's going to show this year to go along with Darius and, and, and Preston Smith. And then in the secondary, they can hopefully finally move on from Kevin King as on the outside corners. And if Eric Stokes, you know, has that first round pedigree, then you pair him with Jair, Jair Alexander, who's you know a top three, top five player at his position already. The Packers are, are, are set up. Now, is it one where we can see certain elements take the next step? I mentioned defensively. Maybe Rashawn Gary can do that. Offensively, can someone like Amari Rogers be the one that takes them over the top? Or do we even need that extra step for them to make? Because if Aaron Rodgers plays like he did last year, they're in contention for any of these contests. And they just have to have, you know, like three or two plays go their way in this contest. To me, the biggest threat isn't necessarily the the skill group. I think that the offensive line is a little more vulnerable than it was in the previous seasons. They've lost a couple guys in back-to-back offense uh, off seasons, and they've had some injuries or players coming back from injuries this year. So that would be the one concern. Um, but Aaron Rodgers was so good last year. I think Devontae Adams might be the best receiver in the league. Robert Tunyon is good in his role. Aaron Jones is great in his role. Maybe they add a little more power with A.J. Dillon. I think that this this offense is as complete as anybody's right now. And if we're assuming that, the, that Aaron Rodgers is in town, which we did going into last episode, I think we have to advance him here. No team has won more regular season games than the Packers over the last two seasons. Not the Chiefs, you know, not the Bucks, not the Saints, not all these teams we keep talking about. It's the Green Bay Packers. All right. Two seed, Los Angeles Rams. Seven seed, Dallas Cowboys. How's this one play out, Hayden? I would have the Rams as a comfortable favorite over the Cowboys. Their defenses are just way, way, way different. I think that um, we were betting on Matthew Stafford having a a good year when we – 
put the Rams as our number two seed, we have to advance them here. The ceiling is the Super Bowl for the Rams, not to get ahead of ourselves here. The, the Cowboys have significant questions. Like I said, we are betting on just that offense being great. The Cowboys defense hovering around adequate to slightly below adequate uh, for them to you know make the playoffs in a 17-game season. But the Rams can be a complete team as long as certain areas you know remain settled remain healthy and i'm looking at their offensive line depth because they have, i think they've only spent one draft pick on the offensive line over the past two or three drafts but yeah the rams to me are a clear favorite over the cowboys here you no longer have that possibility of oh our quarterback can just be totally confused for an entire game you know that is not going to be ever in the mind of sean mcveigh as he enters contest now we saw it Often last year in the playoffs, I mean, you had to go between John Wolford and, and Jared Goff at points. We saw it last year with the Miami Dolphins who weren't even a playoff team and just confused the crap out of the quarterback. Now you have someone that you can do more with. There's no more training wheels on the Rams anymore, and it can be unleashed. And they're at least going to make it to this round of the playoffs. I'm with you. Should we talk about the Packers Rams right now? Let's just continue on with the conversation. Let's do it. Yeah, so, so with the Rams, I think that this matchup would be awesome uh, once again. And I think that the Rams have, have closed the gap between last year's Packers and last year's Rams. I'm with you. I think that Matthew Stafford is like a noticeable upgrade. I think that there's reasons why the analytics community is kind of uh, overlooking Matthew Stafford as an upgrade over Jared Goff. I think that if you just look at one stat that comes to mind was just the play action rate. Jared Goff always in the top five on play action pass rate. And then if you look at Matthew Stafford over the last like five five years, he's always like in the bottom five, bottom 10 in play action rate. Just that stat alone is going to close that gap between uh, Jared Goff's EPA versus Matthew Stafford's EPA. And I think that there's other reasons why we can believe that the Rams are sort of better organization, better receivers than what the, the lines have been trotting out um, over the last couple of seasons too. So I, I, I want to be believing in it. I, I just trust my eyes with Matthew Stafford over Jared Goff and whenever I can bet on Sean McVay, I'm going to do it. If I was to, again, get too detailed here, it would be offensive line depth because you see it so often when teams get to December and January that a cohesive and healthy offensive line is like the main differentiator. That's impossible to predict. We can look at depth. Neither of these teams have depth though along the offensive line. Like if, if David Bakhtiari goes down, the Packers are screwed. If, you know, Andrew Whitworth goes down, the Rams are screwed, right? So it's not like there's a clear edge in that department. There's rarely going to be a clear edge like that uh, across the NFL. I think we, one, are talking more and more as we should about Matthew Stafford, but also look at the talents around them. Like at Cooper Cup and, and Robert Woods last season had to do so much of their damage, like within one to seven yards because they couldn't throw down the field. Like Van Jefferson was rarely able to be involved. He and Josh Reynolds kind of worked as the vertical playmakers at times. Okay, you can have three wide receiver sets with those three wide receivers that I just mentioned. And then you add on true dynamics of Tutu Atwell and namely Deshaun Jackson, and then hopefully get Tyler Higby involved as like an every down tight end. And you can activate all of those wide receivers. It, it, it's There is no team I'm more excited to watch in the first four weeks of the season, just to see what Matthew Stafford looks like with Sean McVay and then tied the hip and just creating magic on the field. Are you okay with advancing the Rams to uh, yes. the NFC conference? And we didn't even mention the two difference makers, like true elite defensive makers that they have on that side of the ball. 
we'll talk about in the moment, hopefully. All right, 49ers and Bucks. I know where you're going with this one, and I understand it. Yeah, this would be another huge favorite to me, uh, the Buccaneers. Obviously, if the 49ers make it this far, that means that they've uh, the Trey Lance is really balling out. Um, but the Bucs are the best roster, I think, in, in football right now, um, especially if you remove quarterback. I think that Mahomes to, to Brady kind of closed that gap. But, yeah, it's just the best roster. They're deep. Play calling has been awesome down the stretch. It's yeah, they're the best team right now. Yeah, let, let's advance them and then talk about this this Bucks and, and Rams matchup. And I do want to focus a little more on the Bucks and maybe just question the roster. Like, let's put it under a microscope because it it's a team that obviously has no questions. I mean, they had questions before their bye week. They answered them all in that eight game run that they went on to to close the season. They bring back basically every single player. So. If it does go wrong, Hayden, why and how can it go wrong? Is it mainly that Tom Brady finally shows his age? Would that be it? Or could it be one or two other players? If they miss time and miss a game like this, it would prevent them from winning. It would be injury luck plus Tom Brady showing signs of decline. And we've been searching for those signs of decline. I think that uh, we've kind of jumped the gun on some of those signs of decline because of receiver talent in New England. And they don't have to worry about that. Like they, they go like six deep at receiver right now. And they go like three deep at tight end. Their offensive line is deep. They go three deep plus at uh, running back. Their defensive line is loaded. Uh, their secondary has, they've got a bunch of guys on rookie deals. So I think that would be the other spot would be maybe their these like young corners take a step back. But man, I don't, I don't know. This team just so good. Like they're yeah. just so good. Well, their corners are athletic. And they're big, and they can get in your face. Their linebackers are fast, and they're physical. And Levante David and Devin White. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, I don't know if we have mentioned this. He played the most snaps across the league as an edge rusher last season. Like, if he misses time, that's significant. I'm not going to say he's what he was with the Giants and was, you know, all-time pass rusher. But they did bring in Joe Tryon, who has true athleticism, like along the lines of Marcus Davenport when he was entering the NFL um, as at least a situational player maybe can take some of those opportunities away. I also don't think we talk enough about Vita Vea missing a huge majority of the season last year, like significant time and how, when he was on the field early in the year and when he came back, he's a vital piece to how their defense operates. If you look at uh, neutral pass rates against, so basically how offenses are treating opposing defenses, the the team that was made no sense the most last year was the Bucks. Teams facing the Bucks like literally completely abandoned the run because of Vita Vea, and he was coming back in the playoff run on a broken ankle, and he was still being effective. So a year removed from that injury, I think you're going to see uh, one of the mo- more special talents in the entire NFL on defensive line is Vita Vea up the middle. He is such a disruptor. It is he's one of the most fun players to watch, and I think that. Uh, with with a little more uh, edge depth at with bringing on Tryon, I think that this they they have so they have so much room for error. They need like multiple yep. injuries and Tom Brady to like show signs of decline to not uh, be a, a true Super Bowl contender. I, it, I just don't see how this is going wrong unless Tom Brady completely falls off. And I I'm over trying to predict when that's going to happen. Right, like if. Mike Evans goes down, then you have Antonio Brown stepping up or even Scotty Miller stepping up. You know, if Chris Godwin goes down, then you can use more multiple tight end sets. You know, who cares if Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones from a production standpoint go down? Because I think if he is forced to, Gio Bernard can play more snaps than both this year if if he just proves to be a better player. The one player that if he goes down, 
that can hinder this team other than Tom Brady is Tristan Wirfs. Because Tristan Wirfs at right tackle as a rookie immediately came in and played like a top five, top three player at his position. He's young. He's athletic. And in the next year, like if they make it once again to the Super Bowl, Tristan Wirfs might be considered one of the best tackles in football if he's not already thought of like that across the NFL circles. So if he misses time, that's a tough one. Even but, then, their their interior offensive line is so good too. Like yep. it, they're just so deep everywhere. I'm trying to find. Is it like their kicker? Is their kicker bad? Like, do they have a bad punter? Is their gunners bad? I don't. I don't know where. Like, I don't grind enough special teams. Maybe that's their flaw. It's just and like we didn't bring up Antoine Winfield, who came in and made plays in the back half of that defense and flying forward as well. Uh, it, it's such a good team, and this is the window. This year, next year, maybe that's it. Um, but let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it. Where I'm, I'm sick of you know, having the mindset of, oh, they're too good. I want to root for the underdog. I actually want to root for greatness at times because I, I want to think back and be like, man, you remember when we saw Tom Brady win for two decades and go down and win two more again with Tampa Bay? That was pretty fun. Um, what about from Wade? Bucks are so loaded. Perfect season is coming. Get your bets in 40 to one odds. That's 17 games down the regular season, plus all the ones we're talking about the playoffs now. Yeah, it makes it tough because if they are 16 to no, like are they I mean maybe they would actually try in, in the last game. Um I don't know. I'm not I'm not going that much of a bull case. Somebody somebody will snipe them. Okay. So, our Super Bowl that we have simulated from the AFC, the representative, the Baltimore Ravens, the 2 seed. From the NFC, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the 1 seed. Two extremely different styles. You have one in the Ravens who can once they get in rhythm to start games, can totally control the flow of the contest. Um, their possessions can last a long time, or they can have two or three explosive plays and, and beat you in that way. Then you also have the Buccaneers. We talked about 21 of 22. It goes even deeper than that. But you also have a quarterback that in his past, if things aren't working well, it's like, you know, a balanced team. Okay, we're going to be the highest rated pass team in, in the NFL, throw the most across the league. And I can do that with Scotty Miller, with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin, with Antonio Brown, with Rob Gronkowski, with OJ Howard, with Jalen Darden, so on and so forth. So there's some flexibility that we should mention here with the Bucks as well. There is in, in this matchup talking about like why we had the Ravens possibly unseating the chiefs. It was like stylistically the matchup. Well, I don't think they would match up well with the Bucks. The Bucks, like we just mentioned with Vita Vea and with those oh, athletic yeah. linebackers, they're a team that actually can stop the run. And I'm very willing to predict that the Buccaneers will be a top three rushing defense this year if Vita Vea stays healthy. So I think this would be a bad matchup for the Buccaneers. And I think that would be the biggest difference. I, I think that the Buccaneers, the Ravens, and the Chiefs might be the my three favorite teams in the league and just kind of shakes out like who's playing who. But I think that Buccaneers just have too many answers regardless of opponent. I think that the Ravens kind of need to find the right opponent to pull off some upsets. And I wouldn't be comfortable predicting that on the show. And I want to be different, but I can't be different here. You know, uh, we even saw that like, if one of these teams, like if the Ravens do enter this game with questions along their offensive line, guess what the Bucks did last Super Bowl. I mean, they take advantage of every single weakness from blitzing from multiple angles, from showing you different fronts from multiple angles. And so if they put Lamar, despite us thinking he's going to take an even step forward, mainly because of the talent that they brought in around him, um, in, in that passing game, asking him to convert second and nine, you know, third and 12, it's going to be extremely difficult against this Bucks defense, which we just talked about. And we didn't even bring up 
I mean, we didn't even bring up that they have Shaq Barrett rushing the passer too. This is yeah. such a loaded team. It's it's one that I can't believe thinking back on it, why they were so inconsistent to start last season. I mean, that game against the Saints, the Saints dominated them to open the year. And then there was, we got what we got in the Super Bowl. And it's just like one of the most complete teams we've seen in the last like decade, it felt like. It was a combination of like Chris Godwin was banged up. Mike Evans was banged up. Tom Brady was learning uh, the the system. I think that Bruce Arians and Tom Brady kind of had different philosophies going into the season. And they kind of melded those uh, after that bye week. And then adding Antonio Brown, uh, Tristan Wirth, they're relying on a lot of rookie uh or early career rookies, like on on the on, on the back end of their defense, those guys started making more plays, and everything just kind of clicked. And uh, once Tom Brady's got the system in place and he has those weapons, it's kind of it's just kind of over. And that's what happened late in the year. Um, if you just look at like from like that week thirteen and on, they were clearly the best team in the league. Like it, it wasn't just the playoffs; it was the the weeks leading into the playoffs too. And nothing has changed. All right, so our champion. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's close this out by answering a few questions again. Do you want to reiterate? We'll be back on Thursday, 1230, with the giveaway gauntlet. Be sure you're in the chat in order to win 10 Best Ball Mania 2 entries, five NFL questions, five questions on the player's choice. We had so much fun last week with Will Brinson. It's going to be even better this week. Let's answer a few questions here from Adam. How big of a bounce back do we expect from Zeke and Dak this year? I, I'm very bullish on Zeke. I think that his workload is going to be the same as it was. I don't think that um, Pollard is as big of a threat as some other people are making it out to be. They're paying Zeke like this. The The coaching staff, the front office, love Zeke, even though we think that he was fumbling too much and he wasn't as explosive. The offensive line is going to be better. We love Dak Prescott. I don't, I, don't, I don't see how we can like Dak Prescott and all of his other guys and then not like Zeke in like the top five or borderline top five. From Nick, I think you're overvaluing Mac Jones. I think Cam has a real bounce back opportunity with better weapons, recovered from COVID, and more efficient throwing motion. Nick, I hope you're right. I want to see Cam have a second act of his career so badly, but just from what my eyes saw last year, I don't think it's it's possible. And yes, it might have been COVID. It might be other circumstances. It might have just been how the Patriots weren't good offensively. Um, But there were some weeks that it was an absolute nightmare to watch i mean it felt like josh mcdaniels was going to have to manufacture every single positive play over seven yards that they had i think it was against the raiders that started and then it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and i truly think it's the shoulder i am not a doctor but just from watching him in his final few seasons in carolina watching him last year talking to phil perry who said that cam was struggling to complete passes past 12 yards last year i understand their mindset They want to be play-action focused. They want to be run-game focused. They want to have mismatches at tight end and Nelson Aguilar as well. I just think Mac Jones will allow that to be unleashed and unlocked a little bit more than what Cam Newton can offer. It's it's the injury for Cam Newton that is the big concern. I also think that people are undervaluing Mac Jones just as a collective. I thought he took a lot of bullets during the pre-draft process. Um, Some of that was just because he was being talked to as the – the number three pick and then maybe got a little overhyped then, but I think just in general, people are kind of just writing off Mac Jones. I mean, he was so good at Alabama. I think that he's actually a good distributor. I think that Bill Belichick knows things that the rest of us don't know. Cause he's so close with Nick Saban. And I think that uh, just Nick Saban and Bill Belichick think he's good. I'm not going to be riding it off against that. I mean, come on. So do his wide receivers. So do we, when we watch him, like 
one of the big shocks of draft season was you go in having expectations of what to expect from a white quote unquote statue quarterback uh, as a prospect. And then you go in and afterwards you say like, Oh, Max better than I thought he was going to be because he was, and he did things in that offense that Tua was unable to do like that. They, they changed it a little bit for better, for better. All right. We'll close with this one from Joshua Jenkins, which tight end will be the 2021 Robert Tunyon. This can be taken a few different ways, Hayden Wings. And there's a name that I keep talking about at the tight end position. Um, I mean, Tunyon went from obscurity to finish what top seven at the at the position. But the one name I keep talking about is here at tight end 17, and that's Adam Troutman. Because I think there is absolutely no one in his path to play. Um, and there's not much of a target competition, and they're going to need someone other than Michael Thomas to succeed in that red zone, other than Alvin Kamara as well. The Tunyon stuff is so tricky because so much of his production was not receiving yards and receptions. It was a lot of touchdowns, and he yeah. he had the the highest efficiency in my my modeling um, last year among tight ends. So it, that's what made it so difficult. Is that you need a lot of touchdowns to be. Robert Tunyon, but I would I would go with you. I, w- I would say it's Troutman, but I think they would do it in totally different ways. I think that Troutman would be catching a lot more passes than Tanyan did, but just not find the end zone as, as often. So I, if, if this just means which breakout tight end could be a top 12 guy, I think it's uh, Ferkser and, and um, Troutman. Yeah, from the touchdown angle, it might be Ferkser because we mentioned the previous show, Corey Davis and Johnny Smith combined for 13 touchdowns last year. And that red zone work is is really important. Obviously, Arthur Smith is extremely good in those pivotal four point play situations. But you know, AJ Brown can't score every touchdown over there. Anthony Ferkser might be able to do it, especially. Well, he might be able to. <laughs> we want him to. That'd be a lot of fun. By the way, why the hell is Mike Kosicki going as tight end twelve right now in underdog? I have him ranked as tight end twenty three, way below, way below. I just don't see even like how he plays, and I don't think he factors into their future on the team. But maybe that's a conversation for another day, Hayden Winks. Absolutely. That's, that's a good plug. Maybe we'll start with uh, at least quarterbacks next week on this show, talking about our rankings. Uh, and then we'll move on from there. Can't wait for the summer of underdog, summer of 59. Join us tomorrow and every single day, Monday, Thursday, here at 1230. Hayden, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Everyone out there, have a lovely day. Up the Vela. Talk to you all soon. See ya.